This is the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health, exploring a wide variety of medical and wellness issues for older adults and their families. Welcome to Clover's Healthy Aging Podcast. I'm Lauren Volkman from Clover Health, and I'm here with Dr. Kumar Damarajan, the Chief Scientific Officer here at Clover Health. Welcome, Kumar. Thanks. So today we're going to talk about a really fun topic, antibiotics. Um, no, they're a super common treatment for a bunch of illnesses. I personally have taken them a bunch of times, especially over the last year. Not sure if they work. But why don't we just start at the beginning? What are antibiotics and what do they treat? Thanks, Lauren. Antibiotics are very common, and maybe your antibiotics don't work because you're getting them for the wrong reasons. Maybe they're treating a virus. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, you know, so starting at the beginning, you know, an antibiotic is an antimicrobial substance that is effective at killing or inhibiting the growth of a bacteria. So it's really important for fighting infections. However, generally, antibiotics are not effective for treating viruses like those that cause the common cold, which is the rhinovirus, or, or the influenza virus, which causes the flu. Drugs that are useful against viruses are general, generally classified as antiviral agents and not antibiotics, but generally, most viruses, they don't respond to antibiotics. So I wonder whether antibiotics don't work for you because you don't need the antibiotics. That certainly could be. I mean, I think that in general, people think that antibiotics might be overprescribed. Do you think, do you agree with that? And if so, is that like my fault? Do you think I go to the doctor too much or is it the doctor just overprescribing? It's hard to talk about fault, but you're right. Antibiotics are definitely overprescribed when you look at the whole population. Uh, you know, some people think that maybe in the United States, between half and a third of antibiotic prescriptions are unnecessary. So they're used to treat a cold or maybe a bacteria, but a bacteria that would get better without an antibiotic. Um, you know, it's, it's a hard situation because I think, you know, as a physician myself, physicians want to do something to help their patient. We don't always know if it's a virus or a bacteria. And we can check if it's a bacteria, if it's strep throat, for example, but a lot of the other bacteria, you can't just tell when someone's in the office. Uh, and I think patients also, truth be told, want to feel like something is being done for them. And an antibiotic prescription is often really easy to write. And so I, I do think there's a role for educating physicians, educating patients, and also literally having programs in place that, you know, make sure that certain criteria are met before an antibiotic is prescribed. That's what happens in hospitals more and more, but it really doesn't happen in the outpatient setting. Yeah, that all makes sense. I think definitely as a patient myself, I I feel better getting a prescription because it makes me feel like I'm doing something too and not just letting it fester. Um, but definitely like the idea of considering other other treatment options as well. So do you think that's what's causing some of the antibiotic resistance? Um, I've heard about some super bacteria out there that can't be killed by antibiotics. Is that true? Yes, unfortunately, there are bugs out there. And the CDC, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, actually in the past week uh, found that there are at least, you know, 15 to 20 different bugs out there that are resistant to pretty much everything. And those infections kill people and they kill, unfortunately, the most vulnerable people because the, the people who are most likely to develop um, 
you know, pathogens that are resistant to everything are the sickest people. They're the folks who are in the hospital, the, the folks who've been getting multiple rounds of antibiotics. And so the bugs in their body have developed resistance. Um, let me just take you through resistance a little bit. So what I mean when I say antibiotic resistance, it's, it's a situation that occurs when bacteria change in some way that reduces or eliminates the effectiveness of antibiotics. All antibiotics have specific mechanisms of action, like some, like penicillins, which we've all heard of. What they do is they break down the cell wall that surrounds a bacteria, and they make it less strong. And when it breaks down, think about if you had a house and you started punching holes in the wall, at some point the, the house might collapse. Well, that's how it works with bacteria. So that's how penicillins work. Others, like fluoroquinolones, you may have heard of some of these, like levoquin, ciprofloxacin. They inhibit the DNA, which is the blueprint of the, of the bacteria, from replicating within the bacteria, and that's essential for it to survive. Others, you may have heard of tetracyclines or doxycyclines. They impact the ability of the bacteria to make essential proteins that are building blocks for it. So they all have different ways of um, harming a bacteria cell. And when resistance occurs, these drugs, really these weapons against bacteria, they stop being effective. So why does that happen? Well, bacteria develop genetic mutations just like we do. Um, and if a mutation develops that makes the bacteria impermeable, let's say, to a penicillin, well, that bacteria will be one of the few that survive when we you know, give it a, a whole big dose of penicillin. And then that one will continue to grow and become the dominant strain. And the increasing use of antibiotics throughout the world, both for humans and for animals, uh, and many times unnecessarily, contributes to this growing resistance problem as have like improper disposal of antibiotics into the water supply, antibiotics used in manufacturing. Uh, I think they all contribute to the resistance problem. Interesting. That's pretty icky, to be honest. Um, in terms of, let's go back to the antibiotics for animals. Is that like, are we talking like cows? And when you see like a milk carton and it says non RBH or something like that. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So antibiotics for livestock are it's commonly used in many parts of the world. It's used in the United States in areas, and I, I get it why farmers might want to use it because they feel like their let's say their cattle, their cows, as an example, are going to be less likely to get sick. The issue there, though, is that when you use the antibiotics, you know the bugs develop resistance in the cows, and sometimes. Infections that impact animals also can impact humans. And we hear about this, it's not a really antibiotic topic, but we hear about it with the flu, right? We've heard of like bird flu, avian flu, you know, infections in one species literally sometimes can impact what we get afflicted by. And so if you can imagine millions of animals across the world getting high doses of antibiotics, that's just making the bugs across our world more resistant and sometimes that resistance, is, it's, it's really cool, but it can be really scary. That resistance transmits from, you know, one bacteria to another. That's part of the problem. I think I'll stick to the almond milk for now. Um, all right. So how has antibiotic resistance changed medicine? So are we, I mean, it sounds like we're still prescribing a lot of antibiotics. Are we developing new antibiotics as a result um, of all these different types of bird flu and all those things? Or do you think we're going to, we kind of hit a plateau and we're going to, you know, stop prescribing them so often? Yeah, I, I think it's changed medicine in a lot of ways. So first, 
you know, at hospitals, right? So the sickest patients are usually in the hospital or nursing homes. We often have now what are called antibiotic stewardship programs. Literally, the hospital is going to track its own unique patterns of what bugs are resistant within its four walls and then say, okay, we're seeing resistance develop, let's say, to this penicillin, so we can no longer use that penicillin. You're going to have to use an alternative. Um, So you you do see that happening. Um, Or... Uh, you know, the hospital will say, you have to try this first-line drug first before you can get to the second, third, fourth-line drugs, because we really need to preserve these, like, third and fourth-line drugs, because if resistance develops to them, there's really nothing more to go to. You know, I think the difficulty here in terms of drug companies making more antibiotics, I frankly think it's an issue of the finances, because it's much more profitable, let's say, to make a new drug for heart disease or diabetes or high blood pressure, because that drug can be given every day of someone's life. An antibiotic might only be used for seven days once in somebody's life. Or, and it's a different business model for that, but I think you know, it's one of those areas where you know, NGOs and other groups around the world are saying we have to band together because if we don't solve this issue as to how to really stimulate development of these medications the bacteria are evolving faster than we are. And so we're going to, you know, end up with a problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds a little scary, a little bit like the beginning of a horror movie or something like that. <laughs> the super bug. <laughs> we can make it together. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, all right. So let's talk about what patients should do while they're taking antibiotics. This is just something that personally interests me because, I feel like everyone says, like, you're not supposed to drink alcohol, but then I asked my friend who's a doctor, and she's like, it's fine. Um, So, and, like, taking it before it ends, like, sometimes I forget a day, and then I don't know what to do. So let's talk, like, best practices. Okay, I think the best practice is to take the antibiotics for the prescribed course. Um, Some people, as you mentioned, are, are scared that, well, if I stop the antibiotic halfway through the, you know, the bacteria or whatever is going to develop resistance. That's not the main reason for wanting to do the full course. The main reason for wanting to do the full course and really just stay the course is that it sometimes takes a little while to clear an infection, and you want to take the full course just so the infection gets killed. Not a, not, it's not so much a resistance issue, but it's just take the drug for however long it's prescribed to address the whole issue for why it was given to you in the first place. You know, as for, you know, not taking alcohol and things like that, I think the, the best practice is, okay, if you're sick and you're prescribed something, you should just probably rest a little more and not overstress and tire, your, uh, you know, tire yourself out. You should eat good for you foods, but you should do that anyway, right? Um, and, and so I think, you know, if you're feeling sick and, you know, you go out on a bender, uh, you know, there's a chance the next day you're going to feel, you know, even worse than you did the day before. So I think it's just common sense and just stay the course on what, whatever was prescribed. Stay the course, Roger. Um, so another thing that I've heard about, it, it just I feel like this is popular in like the wellness realm, um, is taking a probiotic after you've taken an antibiotic and potentially before. Um, what do you think about that? Right. So many antibiotics uh, do wipe out the good bacteria in your gut, right? So antibiotics do work a little bit indiscriminately. So they're targeted at whatever is causing an infection, but there's other just good in your body bacteria that we all have that is important for your gut health and others that do get affected. 
The thing, though, is unfortunately, we don't have high quality evidence that taking a probiotic actually really helps. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't, right, in a person to person. It just means that the studies haven't, you know, unequivocally said they do. And I think part of the issue there is it's really hard to study because. Let's say you do a probiotic with, um, let's say, lactobacillus, which is something that, you know, is in your gut normally. Um, You can get it in yogurt and other dairy products. Well, there's lots of different types of lactobacillus. And if you buy one company's, you know, dairy product versus another, you might get a different dose of it. It might be a slightly different strain. And so it's really hard to study, frankly, because there hasn't been really standardized studies. There have also, unfortunately, been some studies that have shown that if you do take some probiotics, it can actually take you longer for your normal gut, you know, we call it flora, I mean, Mm -hmm. bacteria, to come back. So this isn't to say don't do it. It's just that I can't say definitely do it because, like, the preponderance of the evidence suggests that you should. So in theory, it makes sense. Um, but I think we have to go a little further before we say, yeah, you should definitely do it. Got it. That seems to be the consensus of a lot of supplements, I I would say. Um, and then this, uh, so a lot of older adults are taking, you know, a bevy of medications. They might be taking five, eight, 10. Do antibiotics react poorly with those? Should you check with your doctor, your specialist, what what should you do if you're taking other meds? Yeah, so I think the most important thing is to let your doctor or whoever's prescribing the antibiotic know what you're taking. So as long as those medications are in the electronic health record, the good thing is pretty much all electronic health records or EHRs, as mm-hmm. they're called, should provide some sort of alert if there's some what we call an interaction, meaning the antibiotic is going to be potentially harmful because of another medication you're taking, though, mixed together. And let's say that might increase the dose of the antibiotic in your body to a too high level that can cause toxicity or reduce the dose to the point where it's not going to do anything. Um, So I think the most important step is just letting your doctor know what you're taking um, and, and then go from there because antibiotics are drugs just like other ones and they do mix together in the body. It's just that there's probably millions of combinations of antibiotics and other drugs. And it's not just drugs, just to be clear, herbals. Mm-hmm. So whether you're taking St. John's wort or vitamin E or whatever you're taking, those can mix with antibiotics as well. So I think the key point is just being upfront as to what you're taking. Super helpful. Well, I think that's all I have today on antibiotics. I'm glad to know we'll be together for the superbug apocalypse. Um, thank you, Kumar. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for listening again on this week's episode. Once again, I'm Lauren Volkman. I've been talking with Kumar Damaraj, and uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. If you like what you heard, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to share with your friends and family. For more information about Clover, visit www.cloverhealth.com.